0: This is Binod Shankar and you're listening to the Real Finance Mentor podcast from TheRealFinanceMentor.com. The Real Finance Mentor is your go-to resource for insight and inspiration on careers in finance, CFA and more. Now you would think, why this podcast? Well, my goal is to deliver insight and inspiration for your finance career by making it, one, relatable. This is not theoretical stuff. We zero in on the critical practical issues. Number two, authentic. No bullshit. No sidestepping. The topics guests and questions are all from that perspective and number three take a the account and cfa charter holder add 17 plus years as a corporate warrior mixing 10 years of entrepreneurship through a decade of full-time cfa training as speaking mentoring cycling and mountaineering and that's me welcome to the real finance mentor or as i call it rfm welcome to episode number five my NTVV today is not a cfa charter holder in fact, he does not even work in finance. So why is he on the show you ask? Well, listen to him and find out. But before that, an introduction. Amit Chakravarti is the Director of Institutional Relations, South and Southeast Asia with CF Institute. I know, quite a mouthful. And is based in Mumbai. He qualified as an engineer majoring in computer science. He then moved to a bank where he was a senior software engineer before deciding IT wasn't for him and he wanted finance which he got into after an MBA from a top US school. He left investment banking after seven plus years and joined CFA Institute in a completely different role and sector and he has been here for the past five years. So yeah, there is a CFA connection somewhere. Amit, good to have you on the show. So let's tip, jump straight to the point yeah. I looked at your resume, interesting resume. And Thank we'll you. Go, we'll go into that in more depth. Uh, Steel stockyards to IT in a bank to MBA and then investment banking in a bank and now you're working in pretty much a very different role with CFA Institute. So my first question in my mind is, was it all planned? Okay, so initially it was all about survival
1: and then it was driven by a little bit of ambition and now as of today it's all hard. Some background, maybe that will help. Uh, I come from a very humble background which meant that school vacations were all about deciding which relative's house to visit for a few days. <laughs> there's no other place to go. <laughs> right. I also grew up in a very remote part of India. It was Assam and Arunachal Pradesh. Arunachal Pradesh uh, is being claimed by China, so it's right. that remote. As like, you know, there's not many roads. It's this is the really northeast. This is the northeast part of yeah. the country. Right. right? Uh, And my biggest challenge growing up was a lack of guidance, uh, both in my personal as well as professional front. That was the biggest obstacle. I had no
0: clue that IITs existed. Now can you believe that? IIT for the non-Indian is the Indian Institute of Technology, which is a premier engineering institute in India. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) And um, I can
1: blame it on the lack of internet access at that point of time. This is a way going way back.
0: How do we exist without Google? I wonder sometimes. I know.
1: (laughs) So, so that therefore, the initial steps in my career was all about grabbing whatever opportunity was at hand mm. and making the best of those opportunities. Mm. On my own, though, I developed a simple modus operandi, which I follow even today. What is that exactly? So, uh, it's a four-step process. Uh, yeah. Number one, I feel that all work is good. There's yeah. things to be learned from the, even the most basic tasks. Mm. I'll give a simple example from my investment banking uh, career. I learned how to spiral bind. Books. Okay. Right. Interesting. So, <laughs> so, if there's an important pitch or a very important, uh, let's say an and M&A mandate pitch in the morning, and either I or my manager had a brilliant idea overnight, we could quickly change the pitch book and I could spiral and bind the pitch book myself. Okay. Right. And that was something that was considered favorably. Now, mm-hmm. was that really my job? No. But it worked for me. Right. So, all work is good. That's number one. Number two. I really, really, like you know, expected to be the best in my in my work in my team. Right? Mm. I wanted to be the go-to person, and that helped me build a lot of credibility within my team and within my company. And it helped me go through fourteen rounds of layoffs after wow. the financial crisis with HSBC in London. Okay. Right? Because I was the best in my team. So I, not I, wonder, I survived. So the last I survived. Man standing <laughs> Not exactly last <laughs> man, but yeah, <laughs> one of the last men. One standing. Of the last <laughs> Uh, so, and the biggest thing that really helped me in this uh, being the best in my work was something as simple as attention to detail, mm. right? Not making silly mistakes, doing my work properly without, and, and my manager would look at my work and trust it blindly without having to like second guess himself or herself. So that is number two. Number three, ask. I always feel in Hindi there's a, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a proverb which says, mm. which means like, you know, what's the harm in asking? And I follow that dictate in my life, right? I always ask. I don't want to ever have a situation where I think back and say, like, you know, if only mm, I had mm, asked. Mm, mm. No right? regrets. What could have I been? Mean? Mm. No regrets, right? Mm. So that's number three. And that's something that I, I encourage all young people to do. Right. Number four, first deliver. And then look for that promotion, then look for that job like, you know, job growth or that, or, that, or that salary increase, right? Mm. If I'm good, my company would look after me, would look to do anything to retain me. If I'm not good, no matter how much I ask and demand, I'm not going to get it, right? Right. So these are like, you know, all work is good. Do the best at work. Always, always ask. Mm. And first deliver and then look for growth. But That's honestly, I still want to know, how did you go from steel stockyard to... I'm sorry. We <laughs> didn't come back to track here, right? I'm to sorry. Tell me. I'm sorry. So, getting <laughs> back to my career moves. Yeah. Steel stockyard to banking IT. Very simple reason. Uh, humble background. I had to buy a home for my mother. Okay. okay, And no matter how much I liked my job at Steel Authority of India Limited, being a public sector company, I was not getting enough money to save and buy a house. Mm. So, that was my sole focus. To move from... Still, I still stuck here to a banking IT, and I did succeed in buying a house within one year of making the move. Okay. so that helped. So when you say
0: banking IT, were you a coder, a programmer, I was a manager?
1: A, what were you? I started my life in uh, in banking IT as a software developer. Okay. I Moved on into more of a business analyst role. Uh, so I was based in Singapore with Deutsche Bank for five years. I used to travel around uh, across the Asia Pacific, uh, talk to different product managers, gather requirements of. Uh, corporate investment banking products, come back to Singapore and get it developed out of Singapore and Bangalore and then go and deploy it. So that oh. was my job, okay. right? And uh, and that leads on to the next move, which yes. is how did I decide to go for an MBA from a banking IT thing. Great. So what happened is that I did pretty well in my job, right? So uh, I, I, I had a lot of like you know friends within Deutsche Bank and uh, I ended up getting offered a frontline banking role uh, within the corporate investment bank, which was kind of my client at the point of time. Right, But then, some politics, <laughs> yeah, happens. And it happens everywhere, yeah. Uh, yeah. it didn't allow me to make that move from IT to banking. Mm. I was really pissed. I was really pissed because I didn't so know. So, uh, so near and so
0: far. So near
1: and so far. and said, I have to now become a frontline banker. Mm. And I thought the MBA would help me move towards that direction. And that's okay. why I decided to go for an MBA. Right. So the next move is like you know, with, from an MBA, uh, an investment banking career. So I was lucky. I made it to a good school, Darden Business School, mm. uh, University of Virginia. It's a, it's a top 10 ranked school in the U.S. So the, I was halfway there just because of getting admission into a premier primary school, right? So I did have multiple offers uh, within investment banks in New York. Uh, I decided to join HSBC in New York. Uh, and I started my life as a banker uh, originating m and and capital market deals. In the the, uh, the wolf of Wall Street. The wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> I, want, I didn't want to be a wolf, so I moved to London <laughs> I don't know. and
0: then Mumbai. Right. Okay. Now, you're an engineer and you're a computer engineer, if I'm not mistaken, yes, right? Yes. And I need to ask you this because lots of engineers uh, try to get into finance, either by doing an MBA or by doing getting get the CFA. Um, so, overall, in your career, um, how did your engineering background help you or shall I say even hinder you? okay good question I
1: actually did very little studying in engineering college <laughs> but then uh, one cannot go through four years of your life without really and not learning, learning anything, right? and not learn anything so, yeah. so I did learn some stuff and right. I, I look at the biggest takeaway from my engineering days as uh, like you know developing a very logical and structured way of thinking right I, and I think that's something that I've applied not just to my professional life but to my personal life as well, right So what does it mean? like break down the most complex of assignments, projects, things in the small discrete steps, make a flow chart, like you know mentally or on paper of the various steps, how they flow, and then build a structure with alternatives as well right mm-hmm. so i would always do that and like you now all of us like you now uh, we all have great ideas or supposedly great ideas me my colleagues my leaders everyone right but then this like you now very logical structured way of thinking takes an idea to an executable idea mm-hmm. and that's how my engineering background really helped me out
0: mm.
1: how did engineering hinder me okay i mean what I can think about is going back to my business school applications, right. right? Now, I was an Indian, I was a male, I was an engineer, and I was working in IT. Does it get more stereotypical than that? <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I got lucky.
0: I got lucky to have got into a Darden in spite of this like you know, very common <laughs> profile. Right. So, uh, I think you did sort of mention why the MBA at a higher level, right? But specifically, I mean, what did you learn at Darden? doing the mba and 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 how did it help looking back okay
1: darden was an amazing experience i'd never Mm. been to the u.s uh uh, before i had gone and joined darden right Mm. so um, i learned stuff at school but more importantly from my classmates at Mm. darden right Mm. so i'll break it down into four points so number one is discipline now, my American classmates, uh, before I went to the U.S., I thought, like, now I'm Asian, I'm Indian, I'm hardworking, I'll ace the Darden class, I'll do extremely well, right? I get there, I see my Darden, uh, Darden classmates, they exercise in the morning, they participated in all the classes, they prepared for next day's classes by doing cases, they then network with their peers and with companies which visited the campus, and they still had time to spend with their significant others.
0: It's within 24 hours, right? It's huh?
1: all within 24 hours, right? Huh? I used to be exhausted and like, you know, I had no energy left in spite of (laughs) skipping some of these activities. Okay. (laughs) Because I didn't do, I never exercised, for example, right? Right. right. So, I learned discipline from Mm. my classmates. How do you, how do you have a more disciplined life? How do you, prioritize things right you now and make all of these things happen so that's number one mm. number two um, very interestingly like you know when think people in my like you know growing up you think about america sex and drugs is what comes up all the time right, right? but what i learned from my american friends is to follow your heart okay mm. so here are these guys who are openly talking about like, you know, failures in their Mm, life, right? mm. So, in India, like, you know, if you fail on something, after a period of time, that failure almost disappears from your profile. We don't talk about it because society judges us. It's shameful. Mm. But here are these guys who are talking about following their heart, trying out different things, failing in different things, but... They say that we have learned something from this experience. So Mm. that we're not going to to repeat our mistakes, right? Mm. Money was important, but money was not the most important. That following your heart and happiness was important. So that's number two. Mm. Number three, conflicting priorities. Okay. Ability to manage. Ability to manage conflicting priorities, right? Mm. So I remember like, you know, uh, very clear. I wanted to become an investment banker when I went to business school, and one of the ways we sold our commitment to Wall Street was to travel to New York. And New York was about a six hours drive from Charlottesville, where Darden is uh, located. So we went to our professors, fully confident that our professor will allow me allow us to go, to, to, go to, to, New La- York. to go to New York and like network. And the professor says, "Nothing going. You need to attend all our classes. Otherwise, I'm going to fail you in my class participation grade." Okay, now. I had to attend classes. I had to contribute in classes, which I had to prepare. Plus, I had to network as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, and not just me, all of my classmates. So we managed that, right? Mm-hmm. And this, this this prepares you to be like you know as close to real life as possible because that's what happens in our real life: how to manage conflicting priorities, right? Correct. So Correct. that's number three. Number four, Darden, extremely good, like you know, professors very very strong academic rigor, right? So uh, I had probably the most like, you now, strongest technical knowledge of most MBA graduates that I know of. So when I joined my associate class at HSBC, investment banking, I had, like, you know, classmates from Wharton, Stanford, Kellogg, Chicago, London Business School, INSEAD, you name it, right? Mm-hmm. All of them are there, right? And, uh, but I realized that I was probably most, one of the most well-prepared guy, right? Now, because of the Darden experience, I could, I could develop a financial model in my sleep, hmm. Right? Hmm. and that was important as you start out, as you build credibility and trust within your team. Right. Right? So right. That, those are like four of the things that I thought I picked up from my Darden experience, from my MBA experience.
0: Right. So, so here you are, you've you gone from steel stockyard to <laughs> banking IIT to one of the top MBA schools in the world, uh, working as an investment banker in one of the top banks in the world, in the place to work in the world, which is Wall Street. And then I was looking at your resume and, you know, I'm looking at LinkedIn profile and then I see the switch from this to, and I could almost believe it, right? From investment banking to essentially education, which is what you're doing right now full-time at CFA Institute. Right. Now, describe this Eureka moment for me.
1: Okay. So, uh, I'll break it down in two parts. Like, now, one is my decision to leave investment banking. And then, like, now, how did I end up at CFA Institute, right? So, first, the decision to leave investment banking. <laughs> There was no Eureka moment per se, right? It was a more of a series of incidents and circumstances which led me to this decision to uh, quit investment banking and do something else. So, number one, internal conflict, okay? Now, investment banking, investment banking did give me a lot, okay? A lot of confidence, a great network, financial security, which mm-hmm. we all want, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but I, as I progressed from being an associate to a VP to a director, I realized that we're not always focused on creating value for our clients, right? A lot of times the focus was on like you know generating fees for mm, ourselves, mm. and not necessarily like you know looking out for the best for the client. Okay, now that kind of uh, that kind of bothered me quite a bit, and mm. that internet conflict only grew as I progressed from my investment banking career. And I thought uh, this is not something I'm very comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's internal mm-hmm. conflict that I have mm-hmm. uh, second was more personal uh, like you know, uh, investment banking is intense like you know anybody mm-hmm. who knows investment banking will oh, know yeah. right so even when you progress from a junior banker to a senior banker all it changes is the amount of time you physically spend in the office it still remains a 24-hour, 24-7, 365 days a job, right? Uh, my daughter at that point was two years old and I really wanted to be part of her growing up, part of her childhood and be part of a family rather than see her flittingly. father, right? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. father. And so these are kind of two reasons, the internal conflict part of it, which mm. I guess was 70% of the reason mm. and then that like, you now, my desire to spend time with my family, uh, which is where I thought I'll do something else. Now, mm. why CF Institute? Right. So, once I decided to move out of investment banking, uh, the question was what next and I was very confused because that's what I had done for a while now and I really didn't know what to do. Yeah. So, uh, all I knew was that I wanted to do something where I, what my heart tells me and what I do are aligned. It's hmm. okay, so not conflicting. Okay. And if an opportunity allowed me to do something that would improve an industry that I have spent like you know, a good chunk of my career, True. why not? Right? Mm. So the role of role at CF Institute was exactly that. Right. I engage with the investment in industry. I focus on three aspects, performance, risk and talent. Mm. How to make the industry bigger and better while always focusing on the ultimate benefit to society. And that's exactly what I'm doing and that's why mm. I joined CF Institute.
0: Right. So we're going to go back to what you're doing exactly at CF Institute, especially, okay. I want to talk about the, the skill gaps and the young women in investment program which you're spearheading sure. in the region. Sure. But before we go there, you have done the MBA program and you are well versed with the CFA program, although you are not a CFA charter. That's right. But I am not holding right. it against you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> right. But this is the question that I always get from people who are planning to do CFA or MBA. They say, what is the difference between a CFA program and an MBA in finance? And and what are the pros and cons? So, what are the three things that you see are the critical differences between these two uh, very, very popular and very prestigious programs? Okay. So, I'm an MBA, like you mm. rightly pointed out, and I'm not a charter holder,
1: but I do work at CF Institute, so right. I'll try to, like you know, I'll try to be as honest as I can without being biased towards anything. Right? Okay. okay. So first of all, I don't think uh, these two programs are comparable. right? True, I mean, MBA is more uh, like not generic management program where you do. Not just finance, uh, even if it's like, you know, this whole MBA finance thing is kind of a nuance. I would mm. say it's normally MBA, you study marketing, you study operations, you study HR, organizing behavior, everything, right? Great. While the CFA program is very, very focused. It is for typically for people who are very sure that they want to work. In some of the core investment management roles, like you know whether it's like you know, money management, research, like you know uh, like being a credit analyst, performance mm-hmm. analyst, like mm-hmm. you know, equity analyst, kind of thing, right? So it's very very focused. Well, MBA is much more generic. Okay, so it's not comparable per se. But having mm-hmm. said that, since you asked me the question, like you know, I just wanted to highlight like three things that I think are there in the CFA program, which an MBA would not get. Right. Right. Uh, CFA later program. we'll talk about what then the MBA and program is we'll <laughs> <about that>. yes, <laughs> right. not going to CFA program. That's right. Okay, let's go with CFA first. Let's talk about CFA. Is. So uh, CFA program, the, like I said, three things. Number one, in-depth knowledge. Mm. Okay, the CFA curriculum is probably the most in-depth and specialized curriculum for the investment management industry. Mm, true. Okay, um, while the MBA would provide a flavor, the CFA would go really deep dive and give you that hardcore technical knowledge which no MBA would have mm. otherwise. Okay, mm. that's number one. Number two. Very, very important. The CFA is a standardized and it's a global credential, mm-hmm. okay? Now as the world becomes more interconnected, the physical location of an office or for that matter an employee becomes almost immaterial, okay? Right. So, uh, like now just imagine, like now a CFA charterholder based in New York is working on a day-to-day basis with mm-hmm. a CFA charterholder in Mumbai, right? now. Since they both have traversed the same journey and same learning, this mutual drag, respect. This mutual respect. And like you know, you start instantly respecting true, each other. You don't have true. to discover each other, no. like you know, like we would do with other programs. Okay. I I think that's that's a that's a very important aspect of the CFA program
0: and a CFA charter holder. Mm. Right? Uh, number three is the network. Actually, before that, but but for MBA is not the case, right? You have MBAs from Wharton and 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 uh, you know um, Harvard, Harvard and Yale and yeah. Darden and then you have MBA from the University of Southwest Mumbai. Yes. I don't think there's University yes. of Southwest Mumbai, yes. but <laughs> 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 there could be. Who <laughs> knows? It could, could be exactly. Yeah. yeah. So but, you're right. Like
1: now, so with a. Be- bearing a few like you know really really marquee MBA programs you don't have that kind of respect that you have for a CFA
0: program globally uh, which, right? which is what you said earlier as well saying if you're doing an MBA program do it from or, or one of the top uh, premier, uh, premier business schools right, exactly correct. right sorry number right. three you were saying so yeah so the first was the
1: in-depth knowledge the yeah. number number two was the standardized and global credential and number yeah. three is the network okay mm-hmm. now the CFA Institute and the CFA Charter Holder Network is unparalleled if you ask me okay there are about 170,000 charterholder members across I think 80 odd countries True. across the world right you name mm-hmm. a country and more likely than not there will be a local CFS society there which is meeting regularly doing activities together is professional learning and all True. of these things like where else do you get that okay uh, to give you some context I mean Harvard Business School I mean arguably is the most well recognized well-regarded MBA program in the world. They have a living alumni base of forty-seven thousand.
0: Like the way you said, living.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, right, true, if you look at sense, yeah. if you look at even the people who are not living, like <laughs> know, the complete passage is still about 68,000 uh, okay, MBAs okay. from Harvard, right? Okay. Versus one seventy thousand uh, living charterholder yeah, members, yeah, uh, uh-huh. like in you know, of the CF Institute. Okay. Right? So I thought those are the three like you know uh, areas where CF science or stands out from an MBA, right? right. Uh, MBA, like right. you now. So where, where does MBA has an have an edge, right? So mm. number one, I think it's an uh, an MBA program uh, makes a person all rounder. It's mm. all round development. That's aspect. You are living in a community of three hundred to thousand students for a period of one or two years, depending on the length of your MBA program. You are engaging on, in daily discussions with each other within a class. You are networking with the industry on a day to day basis. It just prepares you for a more realistic. Work environment right 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 unlike mm. the CFA program which is a distance learning you're and probably very technical, you know, right very, very technical, technical you're probably sitting in your home or in your mm. office you're studying you're not really interacting right True. so you're not
0: uh, yeah so that's a, that's a big difference in fact that's one of the biggest drawbacks of CFA or any certification program I mean because right. since right. you're not interacting regularly with professors or other students you don't develop your soft skills or yes. your network yes and I was, yeah. I was going to come to that like yeah. now that uh, I, I personally,
1: and we were talking about it before um, mm. this conversation. Finance can be learned Correct. in six months period, nine months period. But yes. it's soft skills, it takes much longer to learn. Right? It takes. And finance, you can sit in a room and learn. But requires your, it requires practice. It requires mm. interactions. Correct. You get that in an MBA school. True. Not in a CFA program. True. Uh, the number two was uh, application of learning. Okay. Again, like you know, I think MBAs, like you know, schools focus a lot on not just a theory, not just mm. a uh, the knowledge, but how do you apply that knowledge? Mm. Something as simple as financial modeling. Like, you know, uh, CFA program doesn't teach that. An MBA program focuses only on that, right? So that's a huge difference, mm. if you ask me. Mm. And CFA Institute is going down that path, and hopefully, we'll achieve that shortly as well. Uh, number three is like, you know, the various tiers of MBA schools. Like, uh, so depending on which tier of MBA school you go to, like, that can make the world of difference. I, right? yes. in fact, tell all young people that if you have to go for an MBA, Get into a top ten school or don't bother. Okay, because if you get into a top ten school, the very fact that you made it into a top ten school, it will define your career. True. Just like it happened for me. Like I went to Darden. Like I said, I was halfway there to achieving my goal of being an investment banker. That might not happen in that, like you know, second year, third year school. It doesn't happen for a CFA charter
0: holder or CFA program as well. True. Just by True. going through the program. True.
1: So these are the differences. So it basically,
0: opens the door for a career in the industry. Yes. What yes. doing an MBA. So, now let's come to the point which you touched upon briefly earlier, right, in terms of you were saying why you switched from industry to academia, in a word, or mm-hmm. CF Institute, and I think one main reason was how you wanted to make a difference, and now you are making a difference, or so you are trying to make a difference by being involved in, like I said, these three areas of performance, risk, and talent, but I also know that you you pretty much spearhead the Young Women Investment Program in, in India, yes. um, and it's probably one of one of the only one of its kind so far uh, around the world yeah Um, now of course you you interact with them that this is is a this is a program which actually just to for the listeners to understand is a is a four-week boot camp followed by a paid internship for three to six months in some top uh, institutions financial institutions like BlackRock and AON and uh, Duff and Phelps right so it's it's quite interesting and this targeting young women in India so you have uh, we obviously been spearheading the program uh, but what I want to ask you is, uh, what are the top three gaps, could be skills gaps or attitude gaps or employability gap, uh, for lack of a better word, that you see in young women and, and how can they close the gap? Because you've been interacting with them and you've mentored a lot of them as well, you know, a lot of mentees you have. Um, so, Okay, so um, I think number one is lack of guidance.
1: Right? Mm. and uh, you'll be surprised like you know even um, I've, I've interacted with women even in Mumbai Delhi like you know which are the metro cities in India and even then like you know, a lot of women have no clarity no guidance on what to do next beyond their education right mm. so simply an area like you know simply uh, like you know figuring out avenues and ways to give guidance to people is extremely mm. important not just for young women but even young men as well like you know, for both men and women like guidance is something very critically important in India right Uh, the second thing is something that I come across very often these days Mm. so the balance between self-confidence and self-awareness right you know what do I really know what am I skilled at and therefore what can I really expect Mm. so what I see is a mismatch like you know people think too much about themselves like you know Mm. they feel that they deserve something but they don't really necessarily have or like you know display the attributes for for having that kind of a job, right? So this mismatch between self confidence and self awareness is missing, and I think mm. that 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 like you know it needs that gap needs to be bridged as soon as possible. And again, that might come through guidance as well. Right. So that's number two. Number three, and this is very very pertinent for young women in this country. Actually, you mentioned
0: before this uh, conversation that the first two points are probably equally applicable to male men as
1: well. That's right. Yeah? That's right. Right. And the third point, which mm. I'm going to talk about, is like you know, especially pertinent for women in this country, right? And that's like societal and family trust Mm. in their abilities. So for me, that's the biggest challenge for women in this country. How do I make my parents trust me that I'll be safe? Mm. I can live in a new city. I can take care of myself. Nobody is going to take advantage of me, Mm. right? Mm. Uh, I know I I would be able to, like, you know, handle myself and not spoil the family name as Mm. they say, right? Mm. Now, I'm a guy and I I remember, like, you know, when I was young and I was looking for opportunities, I would just tell my mom that, hey, I'm going away for 10 days and my mom would be okay with it, right? Not so far... not, not so for my sister. Like cool. you know, My sister, like, where are you going to live? Mm. Who are you going to live with? Like, you know, what's the area like? Are there men around you? All of these things come about, right? And, and I was on a track, and we were talking about it before, like, you know, uh, this conversation. And uh, I told you that, you know, I met this amazing set of women on this track, the Himalayan track, who were so confident, who could deal and handle any situation, mm. right? And that's true more and more for a woman, right? Now, the family trust and the societal trust,
0: if it comes in, the sky is the limit for this woman. Of course. of course. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and how do you think they could, any any suggestions or any practices you have seen from your side, how to close these three gaps of lack of guidance, this lack of balance between self-confidence and self-awareness and this societal slash family of trust issues?
1: I think it's, uh, like, you know, institutions like CFA Institute can mm-hmm. play a big role in it. Like, you now, the Young Women this Program is a start. Uh, I think, like, you know, the more engagement we have between like you know senior leaders, mentors like you know, talking not just to this woman but also to their parents like mm-hmm. you know engaging with their parents and all that would help bridge the gap over a period of time. I'll give you a different example. So one of my friends who runs a development management firm uh, what he does is that he conducts his workshops for wives okay housewives okay. right mm-hmm. because they, like, they, like he rightly feels that Uh, like you know the wives are at home they are the people who are actually managing the day-to-day budgets okay now if they can be convinced that you know investing in mutual funds for example is a good thing like you know they can also convince their parents okay so Mm -hmm. likewise in this case it's not just engagement with the woman but it's again like you know engaging with the overall society Mm -hmm. particularly the parents if we do more and more of that engagement and like you know we cannot physically do that all the time so Mm -hmm. where this is where digital comes into the picture like you know we need to develop like proper digital content, which can be like you know, utilized right. to engage with this uh, with this audience of society, parents, girls as
0: well. Right. That should help. Okay, I think it's a slow process. It's it's it's, yeah. not, a, it's not an overnight yeah. journey. Obviously, That's right. it's, it's going right. to be taken. At least we are taking the first steps. That, yes, that is important. Now, since you mentioned, we talked about the young, young women investment program. How would you? And I know this is a recent program. It started only probably it's two years back. Yeah, yes. 2018. That's right. How would you measure the success of the program uh, so far? Okay, so uh,
1: five metrics, Mm -hmm. I would look at it, right? So number one is uh, the investment industry institutions uh, building the young one investment program into their talent acquisition architecture. So uh, it's almost like they will hire from this program year on year without question because it is successful, it's helping them not just like you know build diversity in your teams but it's helping drive business okay mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. what diversity is all about mm-hmm. driving business Right. True. so some companies like blackrock state Street uh, are already already doing that it's part of their hiring architecture now so that's number one number two a high proportion of the participants of the the, the woman participants of the program mm-hmm. deciding to continue their career in the investment industry right so it's uh, it's not just about getting these women in the program for the bootcamp and the internship but the only way we can make a difference uh, to diversity is if this woman continue on the journey True. and become like you now middle manager, senior manager over a period of time, right? So that would be a second metric. Uh, the third metric would be uh, not only they do continue to be part of the industry, but when it comes to performance, mm. hopefully our YWA participants, the young women mm. investment participants, are in mm. the top quartile of performance mm. within the companies, mm. right? So that would say that that would demonstrate that this program is a success. We are Correct. coming out with incredibly good talent okay so that's the third metric uh, number four would be uh, a significant ramp up in the number of young women who are applying for this program or who, dis- who, are, who are aspiring to be part of this program
0: do you, do you see an increase in the number of i think you have two batches every it's been, year it's right? been two batches, two batches so far so the first
1: far. batch was 50 women and the second batch was like you know uh, 150 uh, sorry 100 women so, so now what do
0: you think is in the
1: third batch third now? batch is going to be 100 uh, yeah. this year the focus is going to be higher quality um, applicants coming in and higher quality internships as well. So that's why we're looking at. So we've scaled it up from 50 to 100. Let's stick to 100. But improve the quality quality of both the participants as well as the internships. So significant ramp up is the fourth point. And number five would be to scale up this program and run it not just in India. Why India, right? Or run it in other parts of the world Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. In fact... uh, we are going to run it in Brazil in 2020 alongside oh, okay. India, okay. and uh, we're talking to a couple of Middle Eastern countries as well, okay. who might be interested.
0: Interesting. Okay. So, so much about uh, your your career, and so much about you know what you're doing at CFA Institute. Now, you talked about learning, and you know a lot of uh, the critical. What what, do you, what is your modus operandi for success? So, what self-development project are you currently working on Okay, that's 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 a very interesting question. It's a personal because... question, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I I'm a
1: very self-aware person. Okay, mm. so uh, doesn't mean that I always practice what I preach. But uh, at least I'm aware of what my like, not deficiencies are. Uh, so one of the outcomes of the young women investment program is that um, I I actually do realize that I can make a difference, right, mm. to people's life. I mean, it could be a very small, tiny difference, but like, I can make a difference to people's life, right? right. Uh, and because of this program, I would like to get more into teaching, mm. uh, like now starting maybe with guest lectures at mm. various colleges in the country. Uh, and one area of development, like now, that I've identified for myself to become a better mentor, a teacher, is just being more empathetic to people, like mm. also empathy. Mm. Right? That's, that's, mm. that's a self-development area for me, and that's what I've been working on for the last six to nine months, people tell that I have, it,
0: it has made a difference to my personality. <laughs> You're I'm a, soft, I'm a softer, more kindlier kind a, of person. <laughs> I'm a better human being is what people say you now. <laughs> I think I think it's an evolution. I think something that yeah. I've also been working on for the past many years exactly okay. this. And okay. Interacting with people, getting their feedback and, and trying to be more... Um, Human, uh, be more empathetic, uh, more tolerant. I use the word more nicer. (laughs) Yeah, less judgmental, you know, uh, things like that, right? So I think, yeah, so interesting. So at this point, I need to ask you, because we have talked about a lot of things, right? Um, And distill it to lessons for life and career. What would be your three top lessons for life and career? Specifically looking from a youngster who is listening to this podcast. And wants to benefit from your experience? Okay. I'll repeat a couple of things I've said in the beginning. Uh,
1: like, now, again, these are very, very simple things. Uh, but sometimes the simplest things are difficult to do. Mm. So, number one, ask. Always, always ask, right? Never be afraid to ask. Like, you know, what's the worst that can happen? The person can say no, right? True. But what's the alternative? Somebody could say yes, and that could be a big step in... Like you know, achieving your dream mm. you know, your goal mm. as well so mm. always 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 ask right very critical right okay. uh, second aspect would be uh, just to be very curious mm. okay never give up never like you know restrict yourself to a particular role to a particular job to a particular business functions go beyond like you know so for example if you are working in a business division X figure out the upstream and downstream kind of impact of your job profile right so once you do that Uh, you will be so much better educated it will also allow you to figure out what your next move is what all you can achieve what are your what are the things that you might be lacking and thereby like you know acquire some of the skills and attributes so be curious right third thing make your own decisions right it's uh, be open to advice from everyone Mm -hmm. okay so reach out like no mm-hmm. never never like no ignore advice okay take it take every advice from anyone and anyone that's out there but make your own decisions yeah right? the final decision is yours the final decision has to be yours like Correct. you know, sometimes it will work out and sometimes it will not work out and that happens to all of us right Correct. but it's my decision and I I would enjoy the success of it and if it is failure I learn from it and make sure I don't make it again but yeah, exactly but make your decisions Correct. so Correct. always ask be curious
0: and always make your own decisions fantastic very structured as I would expect from an engineer <laughs> <laughs> right uh, this has been a fantastic very insightful very interesting interview Amit uh, thank you so much once again for I know you have a busy schedule for for spending time I hope that uh, listeners to this podcast would find uh, a lot of insights and information in this interview and apply it as well uh, and see how a person who started off as an engineer working in a steel stockyard which is very interesting <laughs> you know, so far away from what you did and what you're doing now. Can, can make it uh, 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 make it a success in life. Thank you so much once again, Amit. Thank you, Binot. Pleasure talking to you. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by The Real Finance Mentor. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you found it insightful and inspirational. If you did enjoy this episode, please drop us a review and spread the word. And be sure to check out more exclusive content on TheRealFinanceMentor.com and my LinkedIn profile, which is Binot Shankar, CFA. Let's keep in touch. Just add your name to the mailing list on the realfinancementor.com and we'll tell you about new episodes plus book reviews, upcoming events and blogs. Till the next time, onwards and upwards.